Welcome to the Emerge Thriving Podcast, wellness designed for real life. In these conversations, we focus on topics that impact our everyday lives. Forgiveness, self-worth, resiliency, embracing self-care, the power of nutrition, and so much more. Life isn't always easy, but together we can take steps towards a thriving life. Hello, this is Amy. Last week, I joined the Collaborative Healing Spot to talk about self-love and trauma with relationship healer and marriage and family therapist, Brittany Green. There are many important points in our conversation about personal and societal stigma, cultivating self-love, healing trauma, embodiment, safety, and turning your pain into purpose. We wanted to share this conversation with you, so although the audio is a little rough in moments, It's well worth a listen, and it provides a sneak peek into the community conversations curated and hosted by Brittany and others. Also, as you know, I'm not a trained therapist, so when I'm sharing, it's based on my personal perspectives and experiences. And just like in all of our episodes, this insight shouldn't be taken as medical advice. It's just for informational purposes only. Each person is unique, so be sure to consult with your healthcare professionals for medical or health-related questions. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to stick around at the end for information on the Collaborative Healing Spot and to learn how you can access the services, resources, and community that they lovingly provide. Let's talk about our topic for today, which is basically what we've been talking about, this idea of trauma and how our healing is so important to this journey of self-discovery and self-love and taking care of ourselves and putting Mm -hmm. ourselves first versus that hustle mode. So how would you, you know, given all of your expertise, your knowledge, your personal experience, how would you define trauma? So I'm not a therapist, but I know you are. So I'm glad that you're here for this conversation. What I understand trauma to be, and it's just through my own healing process and my own learning journey, is that there's several types of trauma, at least three. There's acute, there's chronic, and there's complex. Acute is a single traumatic event that's happened to you. There's chronic, which is you're living in a situation or you're exposed to a traumatic situation over a period of time, a prolonged period of time. And then there's complex trauma, which is being exposed to multiple traumatic events. So for me, that's chronic and complex is where I fall into those two categories. I think when we're talking about trauma, especially today in this conversation, and there can be different people with different backgrounds coming from different places, I think it's really important that we start off on this base understanding of we're all unique and we're all different. We have different personalities and different perspectives. So something that was traumatic to me might not be traumatic to the next person. And when we're talking about healing trauma, it's really important that we don't invalidate it or dismiss it or push it aside and say, well, if it wasn't an issue for them, it shouldn't be an issue for me. And let that self-doubt and that stigma really sit in your mind and your heart about you and what you're going through. You don't want to do that because that, that trauma, it's in your body. You're carrying it around with you when you go to work, when you're raising your kids, when your relationships, your friendships, it's with you. It's with you at the grocery store. It's having an impact on you physically mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, mm-hmm. and you need to process it and release it. So I think as we're having this conversation today, it's something I really wanted to put out there. The comparison game is not a game we want to be playing. Honor your truth, honor what you're going through. And then that can, that'll be the healing place that you can start from your 
your healing yourself love journey. Gosh, that was so good. Especially, I love the fact that you, you know, like you were very clear about the different types of trauma and that it's also like for me as a therapist, I know that trauma is perceived. Whatever I perceive as traumatic is not necessarily (laughs) your perception, but it's still valid for me, right? So you mentioned stigma and you've mentioned Mm -hmm. that a couple of times now. How has stigma Mm -hmm. impacted your life? Because it seems like it's, to me, it feels like it's the foundation of your work to reduce it, to eradicate it. How has stigma been, you know, propelled you into your career? Stigma is a huge issue. Stigma comes up in a different, a lot of different areas of our life. But I think the worst place that it comes up is when it's within ourselves about ourselves. So, oh, I'm feeling really anxious. I'm having a hard time getting through this. I'm feeling really bad about myself or having low self-worth because other people don't seem to be going through this. So there must be something really wrong or broken with me. Mm -hmm. Or I don't want to talk about the fact that I'm feeling anxious because people are going to think less of me or think that I'm weak or whatnot. When that shame, that fear, that unworthiness is sitting in your own mind and body and heart, it is having a perpetual and a constant impact on you, on your sense of self and how you think other people are thinking and feeling about you. So that is like ground zero when it comes to addressing stigma is that honoring and accepting who you are, the journey that you've been on and creating a safe space for yourself to live, to be within your own body as you go through the healing process. And then also stigma coming out from society. So, you know, why do you have that fear in the first place? Well, because it's valid, a valid concern that other people might be looking at you differently because we've normalized that in society. Yeah. If some, if we're all hiding it, then when you're looking out going, oh, I'm the only one. Well, you don't know. 10 out of the 20 people are going through the same thing, but they're not saying it because they don't want to be thought of in any other way other than competent or accomplished. And so I think kind of breaking the silence, speaking up, and I don't mean this every single person in every situation. Everybody has their own unique journey about when that's appropriate and how that's appropriate and with whom. Like all of that is very personal. But just in general, I think removing stigma, somebody like myself or emerge fighting, being able to break that, break the ice and provide safe conversations for people to get the support that they need and to maybe share if they're comfortable. That's kind of like a starting place. And there's people all around who do this within their own communities and their own organizations and their own healing practices, like yourself being a therapist. So it happens all the time, but we have to keep doing that. And if that, if the individual person never steps foot into that community, never steps foot into that therapist or doesn't have a place to go, then that stigma could continue to live within themselves and have a real impact. So it's a multi-pronged thing. You know, it's society, it's us individually, the way we talk. I could go on and on and on. It's the movies we watch. It's, you know, the way we portray it. There's so much, but reducing stigma, it's going to be like, it's something we all need to contribute to, even if it's just working on it within ourselves. We all need to be contributing to this to really reduce it. Yeah. So like, what are some things that you have done personally to help reduce your stigma imprint or maybe Mm -hmm. the stigma that's been imprinted upon you based off of your Mm -hmm. life experience? I think the first thing for me was just that I felt like the heaviness of all of the the family history with mental health and whatnot, I just felt like this weight and I just wanted it off. Like, I just want, this is a burden. That's too many secrets to keep. It's not just, I'm going through depression, anxiety, and PTSD, but 
everybody around me has their own challenge. It's not, it just felt like such a burden. And then when my nieces and nephews were born, it felt like game over. When I was like, oh, I'm not passing this burden on to them. That's not going to happen. That's not okay. And since I had grown up in that low income place, you know, an unsafe environment or neighborhood, I had friends and people that I cared deeply about that were also in the same boat needing to heal from what they had gone through and and where would they go? And they had their own unique backgrounds and needs. So I think reducing the stigma started with not being okay with it anymore. I think, and then it was kind of in self-expression. So writing, poetry, or art, different things that allowed me to express myself. So then I was acknowledging what was happening on the inside and then expressing it in some way, even if it was just a private way. Going to therapy, speaking out loud. When you hear yourself telling your personal story to, even if it's a therapist in a closed room, like that's a very real experience. And so I think that also really helped. And then now we're at this point where we're on a live and we're talking about it with people. And so it's kind of been a, a progression. to get to this point, but it really started with going, you know, this isn't the way I want to live. And this isn't the way that I want my nieces and nephews to have to live. That's, that's not okay. That's where it started. Yeah, no, I love that answer because um, I think a lot of it is just being uncomfortable, right? Like being uncomfortable with what is going on or what we've normalized becoming the observer of the experience and just being like, this is not, this is not really what I think life is supposed to be about, like how life is supposed to feel. And then doing something about it, taking that action, even if it's just little things, starting again with the self and self-love and, and yeah. choosing yourself over this, mm-hmm. this situation or the circumstances that maybe you're, that you were born into or whatever. Yeah, no, I just I think it's so powerful to just kind of have this discussion about stigma and how it's kind of plagued, especially in the realms of trauma, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, First off, a lot of people that I worked with thought that trauma didn't really exist for them because they weren't at war or because Mm -hmm. they weren't sexually victimized, right? Like those are the only two places to be traumatized. And it's like, no, you were bullied. That's trauma. Trauma. If you were neglected as a child, that's trauma. If you were, if your parents work too much, that could be trauma. If you fell down the stairs, that's trauma. Like trauma Mm -hmm. literally knows no bounds. It knows no socioeconomic demographics. Mm -hmm. It plagues us all. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the way that we choose to internalize the trauma Mm -hmm. and also destigmatize our our own our our own experience of it. Right. Because if it if you fell down the stairs and that was so traumatic for you, you still deserve care. You still deserve support, you know. Um, the stigma doesn't like, yeah, I think what you're creating is just this this conversation, this deeper conversation about how to eradicate that, which is so powerful. Okay. So then let's mm-hmm. like shift over to the self-love portion, right? So like, how would you define self-love in all mm-hmm. of this? Since that's what you had to kind of create in order for you to get out <laughs> of this situation. Yeah. And that's actually, it's a whole lot easier to talk about than to go through. So when you're coming from an environment like where you experience trauma and chronic trauma, or just like you were talking about unhealthy dynamics with your parent, maybe they're not around, all anything, you name it, whatever happened to you, that's have a heaviness and a weight on you and impacted you in a traumatic way. So when you're coming out of that, and some of like for me, some of the messages that I received was, okay, well, I'm not worth your time. I'm not worth your love. I'm not worth your care. 
you know, it's severe for me, it was severe neglect and it was a lot of psychological and emotional abuse. So then you're thinking nobody else in this world is going to give me something that you wouldn't give me. If I'm not lovable to you, or I'm not worthy of your time and attention and care, how, why would I think that I would be for anybody else? And then the other thing was too, there was a lot of like chaos, a lot of chaos in my growing up environment. And so when things were calm as an adult, I didn't trust the calm. It was like, when's the other foot going to drop, you know, kind of a thing. And so when you're talking about trying to build self-love and trying to get to a place where you're thriving, for me, that really looked like self-care, learning to do self-care. So I didn't grow up with care. I didn't grow up with, here's how you need to care for yourself and what you need to do. And, And you're a worthy person. You know, this is important. That message wasn't there. So I had to learn to do that for myself. Well, what does that mean? That means healthy boundaries. That means learning to forgive. That means taking care of my body and nutrition. That means being careful about the circle that I keep. That means being vulnerable with a therapist and healing and removing the trauma from my body. And as I was going down that path of healing and investing in myself, then I was uncovering the core Amy, Mm. the the Amy that wasn't overburdened by anxiety, the Amy wasn't overburdened by depression or or PTSD. It's still a journey. Don't mean to make it sound like I've arrived like (laughs) to a complete place. Like, yeah. This is a, the part of your lifelong journey. It's the more I was able to do that, the more I liked me, the more I was comfortable and safe being me, yeah. um, the more I was excited about the life that I was living. Not that it's difficulty free, but it's really, it's a journey. And I think ultimately when you're thinking about it, it's really a journey of affirming your inherent worth. That was a question in your mind, or it was a question when you were growing up. For summer, you heard or got the impression that you were unworthy, that you were not enough, that your value was not enough. And that got internalized. And so it's really affirming to yourself that you have inherent value and then going about treating yourself like you have inherent value. And that builds a a foundation and a strength to keep growing from. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So many, so many good things there. I remember like the first time I invested in myself personally right and and it was different than investing in school right that was something that was normalized by society it felt very like you know status quo but actually trying to prioritize myself and face myself and the things that like I knew that I wanted but I had no idea how to get there that was such a scary investment you have the same kind of fears when you finally started to, because I remember I used to feel like, okay, if I start seeing a therapist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if I start Mm -hmm. seeing a coach, you know, if I really take a look at what's kind of buried in here, I'm afraid I'm going to unravel. Yes. This for so long. I'm terrified about what I'm going to find, you know, kind of to your point where it's a lot easier to talk about the self-love journey than actually be on it. Because before there's self-love, there's a lot of, mirroring, right? There's a lot of, there's just more self-focus than maybe you've ever had Mm -hmm. your entire life, right? Your whole life has probably been about like experiencing everything else and everybody else and helping Mm -hmm. everybody else and giving to everybody else. And now you have to turn and look at yourself to become the core, the core Amy, the core Brittany, like, you know, terrifying. It was terrifying. So I'm curious about your experience. Same. I, that was one of the reasons why I held off for as long as I did was that I had seen other people break down completely 
And I just thought, I don't know. I have never, <laughs> I've never really gone there and really faced those demons and what I come out. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think since starting that journey and releasing the trauma from my body and really taking care of myself, it's it. We're humans with mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical needs. And when you're caring for all of those things, then it's a foundation for you to be able to process that trauma. So like being well, taking the supplements that I need to take, eating the things I need to take, having, you know, the exertion for my body, having the support around me for my mental health and being able to process my emotions, you know, express myself. Um, and then having a spiritual connection that is healthy and affirming, a life-giving for me, you know, that's a foundation where you can go and you can go through that. The, the people around me who had completely breaking down now looking back, that wasn't there. They weren't yeah. in a supportive environment. They didn't have a lot of those core needs being met. And so I was really, it's like, it's not a fair comparison. And I think now I would not wait. I would not push that off. I would know that I can be okay. And there's things that I can do to support myself and receive support and be around people who care about me as they go through this. I don't have to keep hanging on to the survival mode. That's not the only way that I have to live life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was such a great point as far as some people going into this journey and unraveling and, and being witness to that. And you're like, oh, looking back, it's because they didn't have the foundational pieces. Mm -hmm. And how often does that happen if someone goes into maybe goes to see somebody who is not trauma-informed yes. or who is working outside of their scope. Yeah. And then they are not in a safe, healthy container in order to process the trauma and the terror and the fear that they have experienced on this planet. And then of course they're going to unravel because the support isn't there. So I think you saying that is so mm -hmm. tremendous, which is why I knew having you <laughs> on for this conversation would be so powerful because it's so important having that support system having your spirituality having your i mean it doesn't all have to be in place right it doesn't have to all be in place at once but it does definitely have to be curated yes. you know you have to have some like aspect of this mm -hmm. to grab onto whenever mm -hmm. things get really dark and really heavy because before there's light it's like complete darkness you have to go in in order to come out and a victor that is, that is true thriving, right? You face mm. your deepest fears. This is self-love. Facing your deepest fears and realizing that they're actually this beautiful way for you to emerge as a <laughs> for you to emerge thriving in this world because yes. your fears, everything that you've been, you know, experienced in your life has purpose, if you will yes. allow. Even if it makes no sense why you went through it, mm -hmm. you can have purpose if you allow it. And that's when the beauty unfolds, right? That's when the blossoming kind of, the transcendence kind of takes hold and takes root. And the self-love can begin because now you're like, oh, I'm not afraid of, of myself. I'm not afraid of my shadow. I'm not afraid of the dark parts of me that I had to develop in order to survive something traumatic. Yes. You know? When you're in survival mode, you are merely, like your brain is doing this beautiful thing for you where it is like, Maybe it's making you dissociate or it's making mm -hmm. you become defensive or it's making you, you know, become numb or put up walls or barriers in order to protect you from the actual threat that you're going through. Yes. And so your job now as an adult is to face that stuff and to kind of allow it to, to recognize why it was there and then yeah. to release it 
slowly and surely, you know, that's what I love about trauma work is like when we finally get a chance to face that stuff, it's the most life-giving thing for people who have been completely suppressed by life. I love that you shared that, Brittany. It means it just resonates with me so deeply. And, and a lot of the times when you're going through things, you're carrying that trauma forward because you don't realize like I'm in an environment where I can process this and it's not actually a helpful defense mechanism anymore. I don't need this anymore. It's no longer serving me. I'm no longer in survival mode. I now can be moving into thriving mode. And so the things that were maybe helpful in the environment are, are now hindering me. And it's time just to break out of that. It's time to step forward. It's time to heal. So beautiful. So we kind of mentioned this idea of safety, right? And, and how important safety is to trauma and, or not even trauma to healing. You're not feeling mm-hmm. safe. There's just, it's going to be really hard for you to move out of that. So tell me a little bit about what you understand about safety and its role in learning to love yourself through trauma. So for me, safety, there's a couple of different ways that I see this. One is, first of all, having a place where you have psychological, emotional safety, mental, a place that a community, a place that you can go where you can receive that affirmation and that support. That's a huge part of this healing journey. And maybe that maybe that's a community, maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's your family, it's your friends, but it's it's someplace that you can go to really heal. And then I think there's also another part of it, which is like being safe in your body. So being able to, if you have gone through a life experience or you're going through a life experience where you feel like your body is a liability to you, Ooh. you're not safe in your body, you may want to disassociate from it. That's a part of who you are. It's a really important part of who you are. It's something to really celebrate, but because of something that you've gone through or something that you've heard from society or otherwise, it can be really a hard thing to come to terms with. This is the body that I have, and I feel like it's unsafe to be in my own body. When I think about safety, those are those two things I think about having a safe place and environment to sort through these things to help you move forward. And then also just recognizing and honoring that if there's something that's holding you back, that could be a part of it. Sometimes we're so used to feeling that way that we don't recognize how much it's really impacting us, but it can have a huge impact with your feeling comfortable and whole and restored. Yes. So true. So, so true. Safety is like, I feel like imperative, even though it's so hard to curate, right? Especially Mm -hmm. when I love that you use the term, your body is a liability because so many people who have been transgressed, transgressed upon, or Mm -hmm. have gone through something where their body has maybe failed them in some way that's quotes unquote. It can be really weird to inhabit your body and try to, and try to move through this world and yes. feel safe, even though the one thing that's keeping you in this world feels the feels the scariest. I think, you know, when it comes to, especially if that's you, if you've maybe suffered from, not you, particularly, the people we're talking to, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if that is somewhat, if you like, if you suffer some sort of sexual trauma mm-hmm. or if you suffered some sort of like physical abuse or something like that. I mean, there's so many, sl- there's a slew of, or bullying because you were overweight or maybe an eating disorder where you were underweight, like whatever it was when your body is the culprit, quote unquote, again, right. Yeah. Having starting your self-love journey with your body to start to create that safety is probably the best place for you to start just embodiment and figuring out those embodiment exercises. Do you have any embodiment practices that you 
go-to in order to make your body more safe? So I, this is a part of my journey that I'm learning to go on because I think everything you're saying is so incredibly true. And I think, you know, for me, some of the trauma is just gender-based trauma. And I know there's other people who have racial-based trauma. There can be so many different traumas that relate to their body. And then also just the personal experiences of what I've gone through that made me feel unsafe and being my own body. So what I'm learning to do is kind of go back to that place of, I am safe now. I am okay now. I can choose who I'm around and what my life looks like now. And I don't mean that really like comprehensively all the time, really. But I mean, like I can go to my own home and be okay in my my own home. It's hard to really describe, but just recognizing that I'm not in that place of intense unsafety anymore, allowing myself a a break Mm. to really, to enjoy and love who I am, you Mm. know, creating that break and recognizing that I don't need to be in this place of just heaviness and scare and fear. I'm not a huge meditation person. I love meditation in general as a concept, but as someone who's kind of gone through trauma, sometimes that feels really heavy, really intense and a lot. And so I think it's kind of micro, uh, it's, it's micro meditation. It's like taking a moment to breathe deeply, to release the stress, to cleanse, you know, to kind of let anything that's happening in my mind and my heart and my emotions or spiritually to just kind of let it pass and to get to a more centered or uh, safe, healthy place. I think that's also something that I do to kind of, to feel rooted or to feel Mm. grounded or present, but it's something that I'm learning to do. I'm learning to recognize recognize truly how it's impacted me and as I'm recognizing truly how it's impacted me, then I can heal that. But it's kind of this process of beginning to understand and recognize and then heal. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's like a trigger is an opportunity for me to face more of the stuff that's been buried Mm -hmm. and finally recognize it right now. It's in my conscious Mm -hmm. awareness and now I can heal it versus allowing a trigger to kind of carry me away to this unsafety, this unhealthy kind of place. Mm -hmm. So I totally resonate with what you're saying. I feel like I've been able to get back in my body after trauma because it is, it's so difficult, like mm-hmm. <laughs> really difficult to feel safe in your body when you've been violated in ways. Mm-hmm. But some of the ways that I love to do is like even just mindfulness exercise. So kind of like you're saying m- micro meditations or mm-hmm. mini meditations, doing mindfulness practices can be very, very beneficial because now you are becoming more aware of your body in space and time. Like, where am I? I'm sitting here. I'm talking to Amy. I have my screens going, you know, like I'm drinking my tea, just like anything that's in the physical, like physical, tangible kind of things that we can perceive, which helps us kind of get back into our bodies, like remember that our bodies are here. And then just maybe even keeping a journal, like a a little self-love body journal. That's just about all the beautiful things that you love about your body. Louise, hey. She has this beautiful book uh, about um, affirmations about the body. Mm -hmm. And I think it Mm -hmm. is perfect for what we're talking about. If something like that is a difficult thing for you to just implement on your own, that's Mm -hmm. like a great resource for you to maybe start, start your journey of, of safety and security within. (laughs) You mentioned taking a break from, you know, just maybe the head, the heaviness of it all mm-hmm. always feeling like you have it. You have to like, look over your shoulder, yeah. or, you know, tense up. So yeah. what are some ways that you just kind of release it all 
and you just enjoy being Amy? Like, what are some things that are just uniquely yours that you just love to do? This is a part of what I'm really going through and learning to do. This whole embodiment part, because I've started to intellectually understand, you know, it, and I'm starting to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. But the whole, you know, practice and implementing the embodiment on like this regular basis or this regular way that I care for myself is something that I'm still practicing and honoring and recognizing and incorporating into my way that I care for myself and honor myself. I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is having a health and safe circle of people that I'm around. And so I know with COVID, you know, a lot of our lives have gone virtual, but still you can feel like you're not safe with connections with people that don't have your good intentions or whatnot. So I think you know, being that I'm a people person and that I like being around people, being, being connected with people, that's one thing that's really important that can bring real joy and a deep feeling of connection and be really restorative to me. But if it's somebody that doesn't have my best interest at heart or um, I'm not safe with them, it has the opposite effect. It can be a real issue. So I think when it's, when we're talking about kind of stepping into a life that you're creating and feeling good about yourself, all of the parts of yourself. I think who I'm around is really important, but the quality and the health of the relationships that I have, the the quality and the health of the family dynamics, you know, that kind of thing. I think another thing that puts me usually depending on the place, but in a place of immediate kind of good is being in nature, some some Mm. part of nature where I feel safe and it's beauty and I feel connected to something much deeper and bigger than I am. I think that that can be a place where I just feel really restored. And then I think also, I I know we're just talked about it a little bit, but those micro meditations, you know, when they have a spiritual kind of wrap around them, like it's spiritually rest, restoring yourself, really releasing anything that's really holding you down. So for me, that means lighting candles. That means being in a quiet place. Um, And I don't have to, you know, uh, be like in entrenched in a specific meditation that takes me down a road that I don't feel safe. I can create a safe environment and have my own way that I interact with that environment that brings me a sense of connection, a spiritual connection, just restoring and feeling like, yes, life is challenging and this is hard, but I can be okay. And I can, I can shed the trauma, the heartache, the challenge of the day or what's going around me. And I can be okay right now. So I think those are some things that have gotten me through some really hard times and I'm learning to do them more regularly. And then plus like expand my understanding yeah. around embodiment. Yeah. yeah. Like no, being some things, you know, there's a lot of things I should, that it would really help. And I have not. Baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. Like, right. Like if there's like a lot of resistance, it, it's not going to feel good. It's not going to create that safety. So do what feels good now. And then maybe some seeds will be planted. Like I guess this, uh, the permission to take what resonates, incorporate it, make it your own, and then just grow and expand on the foundation of the healing that you've already kind of set up for yourself so that you can, you know, find other things or other ways. So they have greater tools in your tool belt whenever things get hard, you know, because that is so true. Like it's so true. I'm curious about, because obviously for the sake of time, I want to respect your time. We have like three more minutes. Why don't you tell like us one thing that you really want people to walk away from this conversation knowing? I think the most important thing, 
And I really, I think this is so critical and important. Stigma is a sticky thing. It can be attached to almost anything. And so you do not want that sitting in your mind and sitting in your heart. It will impact every area of your life and the decisions that you make within your life. It will impact the way you treat others, how you think of others, how you show up. It is deep and it can be very messy. And so honoring and respecting the fact that you're human and you're going through this life as a human and you have those core human needs, your mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical, honoring that. And don't let stigma or unworthiness or any of that get trapped in you or on you or around you. You're doing just fine. You are healing from something you went through. It's a journey. You're on the journey. Love and accept yourself for being on the journey. And the trauma and the pain that you've gone through, it doesn't have to be your poison. It can be your purpose. It can be a gift that doesn't feel like a gift right now. And it can become when it can be. Your pain can be transformed into something that not only nourishes and enhances your life, but makes a real impact in the lives of those around you and other people in the world that are going through something that's similar to you. And they're thinking they're alone. And the place that you really start is do not self-sabotage. Do not talk down to yourself. Do not criticize yourself for being in the place that you are or taking the amount of time that you've taken or whatever. Keep moving forward. Keep practicing. When you hear yourself saying something to you that's not okay, catch it. No, I love myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and just keep affirming your inherent value and keep putting one foot in front of the other and surround yourself as you can, when you can, where you can, with people that see and affirm your inherent value too. If you, if you can start from there and you can start that healing process, you can turn that pain into something that is so meaningful and gives life to you and gives life to somebody else that's just barely hanging on. Wow. Okay. I don't know about you guys, but it's just sucked into the vortex of that beautiful, beautiful declaration. Thank you so much. I think that's such an important thing for our audience to know, our community to, to remember, to just embody, like we've been talking about. That in itself is the epitome to me of self-love. Filling up your cup, feeling like as though you're Everything you went through has some meaning behind it, even if it doesn't feel like that right now. And then being allowing it to be a life force for yourself and for others. So thank you. That was gorgeous. That was so gorgeous. So tell me about where our members can find you, how they can work with you or, you know, come to your summits virtual. If they happen to be in person, like everything that we need to know. Yeah. So we have a website, emergeshiving.com. Everything is open and accessible. There aren't any hidden levels. So basically everything that people were partnered with and work with, anything they put forward, their events, their resources, you can find them linked on our page there. So you're basically not just seeing what Emerge Fiving is doing, but is everyone we're connected to, what they're doing, and that's available to you. So people can reach out to me via the website or via social media. I will see it. And then if you want to stay engaged passively, I think the best way to do that is via social media or the podcast, but reach out to me directly. If there's something that's on your mind or your heart and you want to share it, whether it's a personal experience or story, or maybe you have a community that you're serving. Thank you so much, Amy. I really appreciate your time and I appreciate your wisdom and everything that you have grown to know because of your pain to purpose, sharing your heart. And we just feel it. I feel it, feel it so much. Okay, guys, well, I'll put everything that she has 
to where you can find her and all those good things in our comments or in the show notes, if you're listening to the podcast. And yeah, we're just so grateful. Thank you so much, Amy. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Brittany Rose Green. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. The Collaborative Healing Spot community is a safe and supportive virtual healing space that allows its members direct access to hand-picked healers, coaches, therapists with a wealth of knowledge in varying specialties. Founded by Brittany Rose Green, a relationship healer whose background is marriage and family therapy, and Miriam Pop, a holistic stress management coach and the owner of Vibrant Lifestyle Coaching. Brittany and Miriam created this space for people to figure out what type of healing they need. Considering the difficulty that comes from trying to choose a healer and make a large purchase that may or may not work, the Collaborative Healing Spot's goal is to minimize the gap to help its members feel confident about the coaches they're hiring and why. And it's also to provide low-income access to a huge resources of support. This community was created to be in addition to one-on-one coaching or therapy. However, its members are having success just from what's being currently offered inside the space. For a minimal fee of $19 a month, members get weekly Q&A sessions with Brittany, Miriam, and a guest coach or therapist, binge-worthy live training replays, and resources for encouragement, daily accountability, and a supportive, loving community of like-minded people who help you grow to your fullest potential. You're a good fit for this community if you're seeking a healing professional but don't know where to start. If you're interested in personal development, love learning and growing, and want accountability and community. And if you're ready for a deeply nurturing journey of self-love and healing. Men, women, and non-binary are all welcome here. If you have a wellness topic that is important to you, let us know by visiting emergethriving.com forward slash podcast.